And uh, could you please turn back with me to page 1163 of the Church Bibles, page 1163, Ephesians chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 11 to 14, page 1163 of the Church Bibles. And uh, when you've done that, if you can open up to the uh, bulletin, the white bulletin you received as you came into the center page of that. And the center page, you'll see a sermon outline uh, with uh, five points there. And then there's a few questions under points three and four. We'll just work through those questions as we go through. Uh, and under five, I think we don't worry about the ABCD. We'll probably do things slightly differently. Um, but uh, it's still very helpful to have the sermon outline there uh, with you as well. You can see where we're up to. But most importantly, Ephesians 1 verses 11 to 14. Let me lead us in prayer as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have gathered us together as your people around your word, and we pray that you help us now uh, as we look at this passage together. We pray that your spirit, uh, who gave us this word through the Apostle Paul, uh, would, be, uh, would be helping me to preach this word rightly um, and in your spirit's power. Uh, we pray that that same spirit will be opening our hearts uh, to your word, uh, that we might appreciate more and more uh, the wonderful riches of what you've done for us in Christ. Uh, and in doing so, we might live for the praise of your glory. Uh, so we commit this time to you, asking for your work among us. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. There are always new words to learn in the English language. Now, not least because, well, new words are being coined all the time. And one of the new words I've learned in the last few years is the word FOMO. You all know what that means? Right. Well, it's, it, starts with, it started with an acronym, fear of missing out. Fear of missing out, FOMO. All right? It's the anxious feeling you get when you feel that other people may be having a good time without you. Uh, uh, it comes because we see people posting on Instagram or on Facebook exciting things or delicious food or happy holidays. And then we think, how come my life is not like that one? Huh? Right? Uh, and so without realizing it, we actually, because what actually we're seeing is just a little snippet of the person's life, right? just the good bits, the part that's Instagrammable. Right? What we don't see is the stress and the conflict and the doubts and the pain. Uh, and so we compare the whole of our life with just this little snippet of our friend's life. And we think, I must be, what, what am I doing wrong? You know, that my friends are doing all this and I'm missing out. And so we keep on checking social media, keep on trying to replicate what we see there because we don't want to miss out on the good things that we see our friends enjoying. FOMO is not generally a healthy thing because Actually, it doesn't matter life. You miss out on food or parties or holidays. Right? No need for FOMO. In fact, when we have FOMO, we can, that can distract us from being concerned about things that do matter. Because there are things that it is right not to want to miss out on. There are things that we ought to want to be included in. We may not see them on Instagram, but God shows them to us in the Bible. And we began to see some of, them, some of them in our passage last week. As we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 10, we saw that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly realms. 
God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. He predestined us to be adopted as His children. He treated us so, so, so much better than we deserve. That's called grace. And He did this so that we would recognize the grace that comes to us in Jesus and therefore give Him the praise for it. Uh, he says he did this in verse 6 of chapter 1, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved that is in Christ. God redeemed us through the blood of his son. Jesus died so that we could belong to him. He forgave our trespasses, not counting our sins against us. That is how rich his grace is. And so he didn't just show us grace, he lavished that grace upon us with all wisdom and understanding. He knew what he was doing, and he's told us what he's doing. He's told us his plan for the universe. He is bringing everything, everything together under one head, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God has been so good to us. He's given us every spiritual blessing. He's given it to us in Christ. That's what we saw last week. Now, when we read that passage from last week, Ephesians 1, 3 to 10, we automatically assume that the we that we are talking about here refers to us. But does it? Are we actually included in this? Or should we be looking at this with a sense of FOMO? Well, this week we will see the beneficiaries of this grace, those who are in Christ, came in two stages. We'll see the first lot in verses 11 and 12, and then we will see the second group in verses 13 to 14. And then we'll ask whether we fit in to one of these groups. The first group of people described in verses 11 to 12. Now notice how verse 12, Paul talks about we who were the first to hope in Christ. Do you see that there in verse 12? Who do you think he might be talking about there? Well, as we go on to read the rest of Ephesians, we will see that one big theme in the book is how Jewish believers and Gentile believers are now one in Christ. And so it makes sense here that actually what it's referring to are believing Jews. You see, God had a covenant with his people Israel. He had promised them many, many years before the coming of a Messiah, the King, the Christ. And they've been waiting for this Messiah. Waiting, 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 waiting. And so when Jesus died and rose again, the true believers, the Jews who actually trusted in God, they received the Messiah. Many, many Jews came to put their faith in Jesus. We read about this in the book of Acts. And so even before the gospel went out to the Gentiles, the true Israel, the true Jews had come to Christ. They were the first to hope in Christ. And look what they obtained in verse 11. In him, that is in Christ, the Messiah, they obtained an inheritance. An inheritance. Now, in the old covenant, their inheritance was the promised land, wasn't it? Well, you heard about that in our Old Testament reading today. But even Abraham, when he was promised the land, was actually looking beyond that to a, to a better inheritance, one of which the, the promised land was just a, a model, a, a picture, a, a pointer. And in Christ, the Jewish believers actually obtained this because the, the real inheritance is God himself in the new creation, 
the new heaven and new earth, the, the ultimate promised land. They would enjoy him and all his blessings forever. That's actually what they'll look forward to. That is the inheritance that they would receive. And what was the reason they get this inheritance? Well, verse 11. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In other words, it was God's plan. Remember, their ancestors didn't receive the promised land because they were greater or more numerous than other people. They received it as a gift from God. He had chosen them. They got it as a gift. That's, that's why it's called an inheritance. You, you can't earn an inheritance. You just receive it. And likewise, the believing Jews of Paul's day, they had a real inheritance in the new creation. They didn't earn it. They, they received it because they were in the family, adopted as God's children through Jesus. And this was God's plan. But why did God plan it that way? What was his purpose? Well, verse 12 tells us the answer. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. God did all this for them so that in them and by them he would be glorified. So that they would see how wonderfully he kept his promises to their ancestors. How gracious and kind he had been to them. How wise his plans and purposes were. That the, the way he rescued them. And they would always be grateful. And so God saved these Jewish people. He gave them every spiritual blessing in Christ. He gave them an eternal inheritance, all according to his plan. So their lives and their very existence would bring glory to him. He did it to the praise of his glory. But that was them. What about those who are not Jews? All the spiritual blessings we heard about last week and now this inheritance that we hear about now, was it? Just for Jewish believers? Well, no. Non-Jews, or to use the technical term Gentiles, can also be included. All these spiritual blessings can be theirs as well if they are in Christ. And so Paul says in verse 13, in him you also. In him you also. Right? It wasn't all the Gentiles, any more than it was all the Jews, right? The Jews that would receive these are the ones who were in Christ. And likewise, the Gentiles who are in Him, in Christ. So how did they come to be included? How did they come to be in Christ? Well, verse 13 continues. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him. Right, the word of truth, the gospel, that is the message about Jesus. It's the message that Jesus is Lord, that he died for our sins in our place, that he rose again to show that he truly is God's king. And it's the gospel of salvation because if we believe this message and keep believing this message to the end of our lives, we will be saved from our sins and be with God forever. And so Paul says the second group of people who are included in Christ are the Gentiles who heard about Jesus in the gospel 
and believed in him. Though he doesn't actually use the word included, does he? What he actually says in verse 13 is, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And that's the same thing. Because you see, in the Old Testament, God had promised that one day, when he brings in the new covenant, he would give his spirit to his people so that they would love him and obey him from the heart. But the Spirit didn't just come to Jewish believers. He came at Pentecost. But then in the book of Acts, when the Gentiles believed the gospel, God gave them the Spirit as well. And the first time that happened, God did amazing things, just like what happened at Pentecost, so the Jewish Christians can see that, see, even the Gentile Christians, even the Gentiles can become Christian. But after that, every time a Gentile became a Christian, well, he gave him the Spirit, but didn't need to show it anymore in the same kind of way because it's already established now that Gentiles can become Christian. But whether or not there's the phenomena there, the important thing is that the Gentile believers were sealed with the Spirit. These people in Ephesus who were Gentiles, when they heard the gospel, they believed in Jesus, they were sealed with the Spirit. And it's the same thing for us. When we heard the gospel and believed in Jesus, we too were sealed with the Spirit. Uh, back in those days, people used to brand cattle and sometimes even slaves with a seal to show that they are the owner. And when we heard and believed the gospel, we were sealed, we were marked with the Spirit of God. So God says, this one belongs to me. This one belongs to me. This one belongs to me. And I put my Spirit in them to show that they are mine. They are one of my people. They are included so it's not just the Jewish Christians who are God's chosen people. We, who are once far away now, included, part of God's people. All of us who have heard the gospel and believed in Jesus, sealed with the Spirit. Now remember how those Jewish Christians received an inheritance? Well, when God seals us with the Spirit, that means we share in that inheritance as well. For as the Holy Spirit is in verse 14, the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Right? The word guarantee, that means a, a deposit, a down payment, an earnest. Right? If, you, if you want to buy something really expensive, like a, like a car or a house, maybe you won't pay the whole thing all at once, right? First, you sign a contract and you pay a deposit. And the deposit shows that you're really serious about that transaction. Right? It's the promise that you will come back and pay the rest of the money. And the Spirit is a deposit. The first installment of the inheritance that we have that is to come. The final inheritance is to be with God in perfect relationship with Him and His people forever. And the Spirit gives us a little taste of that in the here and now. He is God with us and in us, making Jesus real to us now as we wait for the day where we will be with him forever. He changes our lives now to make us more like Jesus as we wait for the day when, when we will be freed from sin forever. 
He unites us now as we wait for the day when we will stand before God as one people forever. Until the redemption, that the rescue which we have in Christ is complete and God takes full possession of those who are already his and we take full possession of that inheritance which is ours. When faith is, is turned into sight and all the riches of the spiritual blessings that we already have in Christ are seen for what they are and all we can do is bask in the wonder of God's amazing grace that he has shown to us the undeserving and give all the glory to him. The Spirit is the deposit that guarantees what is to come. So the Gentiles are included when they hear the gospel and believe in Jesus. But why does God include the Gentiles? What's the purpose of including them? Well, the reason God does all this for Gentile believers is exactly the same reason why he did it for Jewish believers. The end of verse 14, it's to the praise of his glory. Now that's the third time, isn't it, that we've seen this phrase today. God is acting to the praise of his glory. Sometimes people wonder if this is a good reason. Is it right that God works for the praise of his glory? Well, we only ask that question because, because we are thinking wrongly about God. We are thinking about God as if he were another human being. And if he were another human being, then, well, yes, it would be selfish for him to act for his own glory. Right? If I act for my own glory, you'll be right to think, hang on, Andrew, there's something, there's something wrong with what Andrew's doing here. It's not right. And that is because I'm not God. And I don't deserve to be glorified in that way. In fact, if I seek my own glory, I'm actually robbing God of his. And only God deserves all glory. And only God can graciously choose to share his glory with us. But God is God. He really does deserve our glory. To glorify God, that is the highest, the bestest thing in the universe. That is what the universe is for. The only way to treat him rightly is to glorify him. That's just how you treat God. That is the only right thing to do. And so when God enables people to live for the praise of his glory, he's actually enabling them to live rightly. He is enabling them to live in a way that flows with the purpose for which they are made. He is enabling us to live in a way that fits with why we are here. Living in any other way defeats our purpose. It leads to disaster. But living to the praise of God's glory is wonderfully freeing because then we are fulfilling the very purpose of our existence. And so when God saves people, Jew and Gentile, and gives them every spiritual blessing in Christ. He gives them an eternal inheritance, all according to that plan, all according to his plan. So that their lives and very existence would bring glory to him. And that is good and right. Oh, friends, we've been reminded today about God's amazing spiritual blessings to us in Christ. And how those of us who believe in Christ have been included in them. 
And let me say, this is the one thing in the world that is worth having FOMO about. Let me ask you today, are you included? Are you included? If you put your trust in Jesus, God will seal you with his spirit and all the spiritual blessings will be yours. One day you will look back and you will realize that actually God chose you before the foundation of the world to be his. And you will look forward and you will say, what a wonderful inheritance God has for me in glory forever. And for all eternity you will live for the praise of the glorious grace of the one who loved you and saved you. There is great joy in being included in Christ when you hear the gospel and believe in Jesus. You have heard the gospel. Believe in Jesus. And if you do believe, then let us celebrate the joy of inclusion. It is a great and precious thing. People who don't have any citizenship long to belong to a friendly country. Being in Christ, it is better than being the citizen of any country in the whole world. People think that Robert Kwok's children will inherit a lot of money. Well, having an inheritance in Christ is better than having the biggest inheritance in the whole world. People long to have a sense of belonging, whether it's to a group or to a family or to a party or to a cause. Belonging to God in Christ, it is better than being part of anything else in the whole world. People long to be chosen, to have a sense of being special to somebody else. Being chosen by God before the foundation of the world to be his very own and then sealed with his spirit, that is better than being chosen by anyone else in the world. If you are included, take joy in your inclusion. Appreciate it. Revel in it. Be grateful for it. Rejoice in it. Don't worry so much about missing out on other things. You have Jesus. And being in Christ is better than anything else in the whole wide world. Brothers and sisters, God has given us so, so, so much in his son. But in the end, it's not really about us, is it? We are the beneficiaries of all these blessings, but we are not the ultimate goal. We have seen today that God's ultimate goal is something far bigger, far greater, far more noble than any of us. It is the praise of his glory. It is that he would be glorified in and by people like you and me, people who have been given so much, people who know him, who realize the sacrifice he has made for us, who are ever growing in our appreciation of his grace and who will forever love him in return. And so, friends, we at St. Mary's are to be a people who glorify God in response to his grace.
People who live and work and die for the glory of God in the grace of God. People who share the gospel with others so they also might be included. People who are in Christ and who are content that Christ is all that we ultimately need. And we want to be a people who week by week discover more and more of the riches of what it means to be in Him and respond to Him more and more in love and obedience. So let us, as individuals and as a people together, be gripped by His grace and live to the praise of His glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for including us in your Son. Thank you for the grace that you have lavished upon us in him. Thank you for choosing us in him before the foundation of the world to be yours. Thank you for redeeming us by his blood and adopting us as your children. Thank you for giving us an inheritance with you forever. And thank you that all these blessings became ours when we, when we heard the gospel and believed. And thank you that you sealed us with your spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And so, Father, whatever troubles we, we struggle with now, whatever we will face in the week ahead, please help us to always appreciate the spiritual blessings you've given us in Christ. To rejoice in our inclusion as your people and to live to the praise of your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.